Gor Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Haranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada, Mahatma, Vishnu, Padaya, Krishna, Prasai, Bhutale, Sri Mati, Bhakti, Bhutale, Swami, Niti, Namane. Namaste, Saraswati, Deva, Gorbani, Bhutani, Nivasai, Samarani, Paskachade, Satani. Vande Ham Shri Guru Shri Vital Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavashtra Shri Rupam Sabrajatam Sadhana Ramatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadhudutam Vijana Sahita Krishna Jaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sadhana Vital Shri Vishatam Vitamstra Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Soho Street, London, England, and we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 47, The Song of the Bee, Text 19 and 20. I was, I was really struggling with the meter for this verse. It seems to have an extra syllable on every line, no matter how I try to do it. Is there anybody here who can figure out this meter? I tried like about four different meters and none of them fit. We, I think the last few have been like that, and we've been doing it almost with the um, uh, Ubindam prayers. Yeah, but it's, the, that's one short. It's one syllable short. Any other ideas? Anybody know one that fits? Okay, well, it's just going to be awkward then. Vayamritani vajimma vyaritam shradana I think verse 20 is on the board. Oh. He put verse 20 on the board. Okay. Which I didn't practice at all. <laughs> These are both very hard. Okay. Priyasa ka punar aga prayasa prashita kim. Priyasa ka punar aga prayasa prashita kim. Nayasikatam iham sam dushyaya dwandva parsham. Satatam murasi somya shri varusakamaste. Yes? Can I try it with that You can try it with whatever you like. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you can do it better than I did it. Priya Priyasaka Priyasa 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 Priyas
Sikatami Hasman Dustya Jadwanwa Parshwam Satatam Murva Urasi Somya Shir Vadu Sakamaste Impossible to give up. Dwandwa, conjugal connection with whom? Parshvam, to the side. Satatam, always. Urasi, on the chest. Somya, or gentle one. Shri, the goddess of fortune. Vaduhu, his consort. Sakam, together with. Aste is present. This is Radharani talking to the V in the presence of Uddhava. So I'm going to read this translation, then I'm going to go back and read, because it's 19 and 20, so I'm going to go back and read 19 translation and purport, and then I'm going to read this translation again in the purport to this. Is that all right? Everybody able to follow that? So this translation is, O friend of my dear one, has my beloved sent you here again? I should honor you, friend, so please choose whatever boon you wish. But why have you come back here to take us to him, whose conjugal love is so difficult to give up? After all, gentle be, his consort is the goddess Sri, 
and she is always with him, staying upon his chest. So going back to 19. Translation, faithfully taking his deceitful words as true, we became just like the black deer's foolish wives who trust the cruel hunter's song. Thus we repeatedly felt the sharp pain of lust caused by the touch of his fingernails. O messenger, please talk about something besides Krishna. Did you ever feel like that? Purport. Srila Vishnu Chakravati categorizes this statement of Srimati Radharani's as ajalpa, as defined by Sri Rupa Goswami, Jainyam Tasyarti Dattvam Cha, Nirveda Dhyatrakirtitam, Bhangyanya Sukadattvam Cha, Sa Aljalpa Udiritaha. A statement spoken in disgust, describing how the male lover is deceitful and brings one misery and also implying that he gives happiness to others, is called, is known as Ajapa, Ujjvala Nilamani 14, 196. So even Radharani sometimes gets disgusted. It's <laughs> the statement in disgust. And she says, you're giving happiness to everybody but me. Why did I believe you? I believed you, just like a deer believes the hunter, but you're deceitful, and you didn't keep your promises, and now you've gone off and you're with somebody else. Then, text 20, she says to the bee, Oh, friend of my dear one, has my beloved sent you here again? I should honor you, friend, so please choose whatever boon you wish. But why have you come back here to take us to him, whose conjugal love is so difficult to give up? After all, gentle bee, his consort is the goddess Sri and she is always with him, staying upon his chest, purport. In Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Srila Prabhupada explains the context of this verse, because you wonder, how did she get from 19 to 20? Quote, While Radharani was talking with the bee, and the bee was flying hither and thither, it all of a sudden disappeared from her sight. She was in full mourning due to separation from Krishna, and felt ecstasy by talking with the bee. But as soon as the bee disappeared, she became almost mad, thinking that the messenger bee might have returned to Krishna to inform him all about her talking against him. Krishna must be very sorry to hear it, she thought. In this way, she was overwhelmed by another type of ecstasy. In the meantime, the bee, flying hither and thither, appeared before her again. She thought, Krishna is still kind to me. In spite of the messengers carrying destructive messages, he is so kind that he has again sent the bee to take me to him. Srimati Radharani was very careful this time not to say anything against Krishna, unquote. That's the end of the quote from Krishna book. Srila Vishnu Chakravati explains that the goddess of fortune, Sri, has the power to assume many different forms. Thus, when Krishna enjoys other women, she stays on his chest in the form of a golden line. When he is not consorting with other women, she puts aside this form and gives him pleasure in her naturally beautiful form of a young woman. According to Vishnu Chakravarti, this statement of Srimati Radharani expresses pratijalpa. So the last one was ajapa, this is pratijalpa, as described by Sri Rupa Goswami. Dusyaja dwandva bhavesmin praptirnar he chenudatam dutasam anane kotvam yatrasa pratijalpaka. When the lover humbly states that although she is unworthy of attaining her beloved, she cannot give up longing for a conjugal relationship with him. Such words spoken with respect for her beloved's message are called pratijalpa. Ujjvala Nilamani 14198. 
Here Shumati Radharani has given up her harsh feelings and humbly acknowledges the greatness of Sri Krishna. So, this is a rather extraordinary concept of what is God and what is a relationship with God. And we might read these verses and think, well, that doesn't sound very much fun. That here is the highest devotee, the greatest lover of Krishna, the most qualified <coughs> devotee, and she's complaining. You're deceitful, you've cheated me, you run off with other people, you're making them happy, you're not making me happy. And then she thinks, oh, 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 I don't want him to hear that. If he hears that, he'll be angry with me. Oh, actually, you're wonderful, and, and, and I don't deserve you. And, and how can I please you? So, you, you know, a person may read these things and think, gosh, that's the kind of craziness that goes on in the material world. And that gives us, in this world, nothing but pain, isn't it? I mean, in this world, if you're in love with somebody who tells you one thing and does something else, yes, yes, I'm coming back in a few days, and they don't come back for 125 years. (laughs) Yes, yes, you're my only love, and you find out they have a few billion others. And, And then you finally get up the courage to say, you deceitful liar. I'm not having anything to do with you anymore. Oh, messenger, please talk about something else. And then the next minute, you know, no, no, I actually still love him. Don't tell him anything bad. So in this world, if there's somebody like that, what would we call such a person? A fool. As we travel the world, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, I suppose, so people come to traveling preachers with the worst of their problems. Just by the way, traveling preachers get a very distorted view of what goes on in Islam because they hear the the worst things. They hear the things that nobody wants to tell somebody locally because they're too embarrassed, you know. And so you, you hear these kind of stories. I fell in love with somebody and they cheated me, but I can't stop thinking about them. I want to stop thinking about them. I don't want to think about it. Let's talk about something else. And then, oh, but I want to be with them again. And you're just like, oh, what a fool. Isn't it? Your friends come to you with these kind of stories. And it's not just women for men. Men have this problem with them, too. There was some song when I was a teenager, when a man loves a woman, she can't do any wrong, and even if she cheats him, he doesn't see it, and he still loves her. And in, in one sense, this is our what's going on with us and Maya. Yes? Maya promises so many things. I will give you this, I will give you that, I will give you this. We're like, yes, Maya, whatever you want. And then she cheats us and deceives us and we say, I'm not going to be in Maya anymore. And then we turn around and go, yes, I will. (laughs) I didn't say anything bad about you, Maya. And this happens. It happens with people coming to the Hare Krishna movement. It happens all the time. And people say, you know, this Maya, I'm suffering so much. I just want to surrender to Krishna. Don't talk about Maya. Nothing Maya. And then we see them again. Oh, Maya, what can you do for me? So, therefore, Prabhupada gives us so many warnings in so many places 
that we should be very, very careful about discussion of these leelas. Because, and, and this was, I was really torn in looking at the verses. It's like, oh my God, how am I going to talk about this stuff? Because Prabhupada says in so many places, one has to be careful about talking about these leelas in public. Because people will misunderstand. They'll think it's something mundane. They'll think, oh, Krishna's just like some ordinary person. Radharani's like some ordinary person. These are like ordinary love affairs. And either they'll denigrate Krishna and say he's a rascal and a licentious cheater. That's what Lankutaha means, you know that, right? In the Shikshastaka, you know that, yes. That's what it means. Or, you know, and they'll become materialists, or they'll say Krishna is just an ordinary person, a cheater, and so forth, and these are all ordinary activities. Let me just merge into the Brahman. And you can see why, in most of the religious systems of the world, this knowledge is not there. Certainly, Lord Jesus knew, but he didn't talk about it. He said, I can't tell you these things. He said, I have so many more things to tell you, but you can't hear them. Whereas Shiva Prabhupada said to us, I've given you everything. I told you everything. There's nothing higher. And in the talks between Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy, Mahaprabhu keeps saying, first he says, oh, that's external. Tell me something else. That's external. Tell me something else. Then he says, that's okay, but you can tell me something better. That's okay, but you can tell me something better. Then he says, that's wonderful, but can you tell me more? That's wonderful, but can you tell me more? And then finally, Ramananda says, I've gotten to the limit here. He describes simply the Sringara Rasa. He says, I've gotten to the limit. I can't go any further. Mahaprabhu says, oh, you can tell me something more. And then he describes the form and qualities of Krishna and the form and qualities of Radharani. And then Mahaprabhu says, this is wonderful, but can you tell me something more? And Ramananda Roy says, oh, no one before has ever asked me for anything more. He says, there is something more, but I don't know if you'll like it or not. And then he talks about this. He talks about the, this madness of separation. And then both Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy agree that they've reached the limit of truth. But when Ramananda Roy starts to talk about these things, Lord Chaitanya covers his mouth with his hand. It can't be talked about. Generally, people will misunderstand. They'll think it's something ordinary and mundane. And they'll either, you know, they'll respond to it in different ways. Either they'll just say, well, this is just materialistic and they'll be a materialist, or they'll say it's materialistic and they'll imitate it in some weird way, you know, men dressing up as, as gopis and, and, and strange things, or they'll become personless and say, you know, oh look, even, even this, there's grief, disgust even, a statement spoken in disgust. Bewilderment, madness, crazy talking. One will think, I've had enough of this crazy talking. Let me just have nothing. Let me just have nothing. So we're in a little bit of a quandary in the Hare Krishna movement because Srila Prabhupada has given us these things and then he tells us not to talk about it. And he's given us these things and he's told us to distribute it even. 
half this purport is just a direct quotation from the Krishna book, which was produced when in like 1970? With the donation from George Harrison? And there we were, having chanted the Hare Krishna mantra only for a few days, going out to the airport to people who were eating cows and drinking liquor and etc., 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 and handing them Krishna book where they're reading this. Yes? And every night before we went to sleep in the temples, I don't know if any place still does this, but used to be in the evening before we went to sleep, we would gather around and drink hot milk and read Krishna book. So, how is it we're not supposed to talk about these things because they bewilder us, and yet Prabhupada's giving it to us, and not only giving it to us, but telling us to distribute it and telling us, read a verse from the Bhagavatam every day. That's his order. And we don't skip verses. We don't say, oh, shh, skip this. Or if you read Chaitanya Charitamrita, you don't skip, I mean, <coughs> what to speak of Krishna book? In Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita is even higher. We were out at the airport distributing Anchalila, you know, volume five, now they're different, differently done. You read this and you say, what are we doing? You know, how are we distributing this? Prabhupada's Gaba, the Vr Shuramar, said that when they would reach Chaitanya Charitamrita in the Godimat, that they wouldn't discuss the conversation between Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy. They'd read it as part of their systematic reading, but they wouldn't discuss it. Interesting. But it's certainly there. You know, we're reading the Rasalila chapters, we're reading the talks with Ramananda Roy, we're reading a lot of the talks with Sanatana Goswami is also very elevated. And, of course, Mahaprabhu's ecstasies at the end of Chaitanya Charitamrita and his visions of Krishna and the gopis are also very, very elevated. So, on the one hand, Srila Prabhupada didn't, didn't hide anything from us. You know, sometimes people say, oh, Prabhupada, there's still something Prabhupada didn't give you. Well, that's certainly not the case. On the other hand, how do we deal with this? Well, at least we can understand something about the principle of rasa, and that's what really jumped out at me here. Recently I was teaching the Nectar Devotion as part of Bhakti Shastri. I taught it twice in a row in Vrindavan and then in Mayapur. And in doing so I was listening to a lot of Srila Prabhupada's lectures. I listened to all of his lectures on the Nectar Devotion and the places where he wrote about it in other places. And one of the points Srila Prabhupada made very strongly is that all of us are looking for happiness. We're all looking for rasa. Rasa means taste. We all want to enjoy things. And Srila Prabhupada makes the point very clearly in the talks with Ramananda Roy and then later on in Mahaprabhu's talks with Sanatana Goswami that not only is Krishna enjoying, but the living entities are also enjoying. It's not that Krishna is the enjoyer and we're all the sufferers. You know, there's, there's religious systems on the planet, practically, that teach like that, isn't it? You know, you're supposed to just suffer. Like that yogi who, who gave the four blessings, you know that story? He, he saw the uh, gross materialist, the prince. The prince is the grossest materialist. He's just enjoying, he doesn't have to run the government. Right? Like you have one of your princes here who's like that. Yes? 
So by the way, Krish Hello, he's the king of kings. You know he's a prince, don't you? Ugrasen is the king, and Nandimarj is the king. Krishna is the prince. The king has a responsibility. Anyway, so this yogi went to this prince, and he said, may you live forever and never die, because as long as you live, you're having sense gratification. When you die, you have to pay for everything. Then he went to a butcher. He said, don't live, don't die. He said, your present life is hell, and your future life will be literally hell. And he went to the devotee and said, live, die, doesn't matter. It's the same. And then said he went to the brahmacharya, went to the ascetic, and said, die immediately. Because your life is full of tapasya, your life is full of austerity, but afterwards you'll reap the result. So many religions have this idea of religion. You know, suffer, 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 and then you get to go to heaven. And then what do you do in heaven? You know, God's on the throne, he's enjoying, and you're just playing a harp and singing Gloria, 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 forever. (laughs) So this concept that we're kind of slaves, because we in this world, if somebody is the big enjoyer, at, he's the enjoyer at others' expense, huh? Yes. The, the businessman making a lot of money, usually, usually, there's somebody somewhere suffering, so the big businessman makes a lot of money, isn't it? I mean, you have some businesses that really try to be ethical businesses and treat their employees properly and so forth, but... Most of the big businesses, there's somebody in some part of the world who doesn't have health insurance. And if their finger gets cut off by the machinery, they just get fired. So somebody else can live high. That's, is that correct? So we think like that. You know, if someone's the enjoyer, someone else is the sufferer. But with Krishna, Krishna is the enjoyer, we also enjoy. We have the same nature, Nandamaya Vyasat. We have the same enjoying nature. And where does the enjoyment come from? Krishna's enjoyment potency is Ladini Shakti, who is none other than the speaker of these verses. And she's giving pleasure not only to Krishna, but Prabhupada says she's also giving pleasure to the jivas. She's nourishing all of the jivas with pleasure. Now, of course, material pleasure, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But Srimati Radharani is the personality of pleasure. That's who she is. She is pleasure. She is made simply of pleasure, and she is giving pleasure to Krishna, and she is giving pleasure to the jivas who are in cooperation with Krishna. So how does one enjoy pleasure? So Rupa Goswami, where both of these purports are quoting from Rupa Goswami's Ujjvala Nilamani, Rupa Goswami explains ultimate pleasure in terms of rasa science, which is also used in drama, the science of different tastes. Just like when you're eating, there's different tastes. So there's some main tastes, sweet, salty, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, pungent, astringent. Those are the six main tastes that you can taste on your tongue. But of course, the tastes are not limited to that because all sweets don't have the same taste. People who are expert at tasting food, there are such people, by the way. There are, there, there are professional food tasters. Seriously, really seriously. And, you know, they can taste different food and they have names for all the different elements of taste. They have different terms to describe all the varieties of texture and all the varieties of flavor, which if you're not a professional taster, you can't do. You can just say, that's smooth or that's crunchy. You know, well, that, I remember on Korma's videos, he would call everything had a nutty, nutty flavor. 
But there's actually many, 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 many varieties. And these professional tasters, most of them work for food companies where they can give a very detailed, some of them also are restaurant reviewers, but they can give a very detailed, explicit breakdown, analysis of the tastes of food. And how many different tastes are there? Oh my goodness, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You can't just say there's six tastes, yes? I mean, something that's sweet, smooth, vanilla, is a different sweet taste from something that's crunchy and almond, yes? And there's a difference between raw almond and cooked almond, and cooked almond mixed with cooked cashew, which is different from raw cashew with raw almond. And how many different tastes are there? A lot of different tastes. So if we're going to talk about rasa, rasa is also in regard to eating ayurvedically, then there's so many different tastes and how they combine and then not only the, the taste of each thing, but how they combine in one preparation, and then how do they combine in the whole plate with this preparation and this preparation. And Ayurvedically, you also eat certain things first, and so forth and so on. So if that's true of food on the Earth planet, which, by the way, Prabhupada says is the lowest of the middle planetary systems. In other words, we're just middle class in the universe. We just cross the line into the middle class. Maybe we've just gotten out of the poverty area and just passed the railroad track into the middle class neighborhood of the universe. So here, if we have so many tastes in our food, just we can imagine how many tastes there are on Indra's planet, where probably says the sense gratification is thousands of times greater, or on the planets of the Prajapadis, which is thousands of times greater than Indra's planet, or the Rishis, which is thousands of times greater than the Prajapadis, or Brahma's planet, which is thousands of times greater than the Rishis, or the universal coverings, where Sanatana Goswami explains you have the subtle form of all of the pleasures. And there he says, in each covering, there's millions and millions of times greater pleasures than the covering before it, and that's all still material. And then you go to the Mahakal, great time, the Brahman, and then you go to Vaikuntha, where it's billions of times greater than in the material covering. And then from Vaikuntha you go to Ayodhya, where it's even greater. And then from there you go to Dwarka, where it's even greater. And from there you go to Vrindavan, where it's even greater. And there you go in Vrindavan, among the rasas, which are compared to different kinds of metals, like brass and bell metal and silver and gold. And this Madhuri Ras is touched on. And then of all the tasters of Madhuri Ras, you have Srimati Radharani. So what is the limit of what she's tasting? And if we're thinking just of food, but what about relationships? How many varieties of interchanges are there in relationships? And in fact, of course, in this world, we also try to taste pleasure in the rasas. So the rasas of relationship, Rupa Goswami analyzes as 12. So the five main rasas the peaceful ras, the awe ras, the serving ras. You see someone think, oh, I'd like to help them. I'd like to serve them. Right, the friendship, 
you see someone as equal to you, the parental, you, you want to nourish someone, care for them, protect them, and then the conjugal, the romantic rasa. And then the seven secondary rasas, comedy. It also includes joy. And compassion, which includes grief, mourning, sadness, disgust, which is what's mentioned here, horror, fear, anger, wonder. So now each of these, just like if we talk about taste of food, we talk about sweet, salty, uh, sour, bitter, pungent, and astringent, if you say those are the six tastes of food, but that doesn't begin to describe all the tastes of food. So in the same way, talking about these 12 rasas doesn't begin to describe all of the varieties and com- combinations and permutations and subtleties of rasa. And each of these rasas, even materially, we try to find pleasure in them. We don't only try to find pleasure in joy. Otherwise, there wouldn't be sad movies. There are sad movies, right? You say to someone, did you like the movie? They go, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Especially the ladies appreciate that. And, there, and there's horror movies. There's, just, there's movies of disgust and fear. Or people riding amusement park rides. Why do they ride them? To become afraid experience fear or anger. There's some pleasure in anger, huh? Yeah. So we try to experience pleasure in all these ways, not just in the primary rasas, but in all of these rasas and in all of their combinations and permutations. Let me get angry at the politicians. People enjoy that and they go protesting and they're enjoying their anger, yes? Take them down, take them down. Everybody feels. <laughs> Did you have a good time at the rally? Oh, yes. Yes. But the problem is materially, these rasas are not going to satisfy us. Materially, they're not going to satisfy us. We can go briefly through some of the reasons why they're not going to satisfy us. First of all, they're all very temporary, they're very fleeting. I mean, said Hirani Kashipu hung on to his anger his whole life, but generally can't. You know, you're enjoying yelling at the government or Monsanto or whoever you're yelling at, the GPC if you're in this country. You're telling president. You know, if you're enjoying getting angry at somebody, or your husband or your wife, or whoever you're getting angry at, your dog. And then it passes, and then you're just exhausted. And then usually you feel embarrassed with what you said and did when you were angry. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever pleasure you got, you know, it, it, it's gone. Yeah. Or even joy. You, know, you have some great joy, you're on the mountain in the sunrise, and eating organic sunflower seed, whatever, you know, with your best friend. And then it passes, and then you have to come down from the mountain and just drive in your car. It's over. You have a picture. See the joy I had there in that picture? But you can't feel it anymore. It's, 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 it's over. So it's very temporary. 
And then even when you have it, it's not complete. You don't feel completely happy in the joy, the, the compassion, the disgust, or it doesn't completely fill you with happiness. It's limited. So it's limited by time, and then it's limited by just the experience itself. Nobody's going to say, I had an experience of material happiness where I was totally, absolutely, in every respect, in all of my senses, in all of my mind, completely unadulterated pleasure. It doesn't happen. So it has limits of time and space. And then there's suffering connected with it. There's suffering before it. The pleasure is always in relationship to suffering. Because you're hungry, therefore you enjoy eating. Because you're tired, therefore you enjoy sleeping. If there's no suffering, there's no pleasure. You can't enjoy food when you're full. You just can't. It's not enjoyable. Even what you eat at the end of the meal isn't as pleasurable as what you eat at the beginning of the meal. It has a limit like that also. We become satiated. And there's consequences. You have to pay for your pleasure. It's not free. The amusement park ride isn't free. The movie isn't free. Whatever, whatever you enjoy, you have to pay for it somehow. If, you ever, if you're enjoying a relationship with another person, then you have to take care of that person. You have to do things with that person. and Whatever. There's some payment. So there's some misery before. There's some feeling of lack. And then there's some payment afterwards. And the payment may not be very nice. The payment may be very great, in fact. You know, you're really you're out there in the war, and you're really enjoying your anger and your fear and your disgust. And after that, you have post-traumatic stress syndrome, and your foot's cut off. And, yeah. What? Enjoying your madness, <laughs> and then afterwards, you have to live with the results of your madness. And finally, it doesn't touch us. It's all an illusion. It's all a hallucination, basically. It's not, it's not real. It's very much, you know, Shastra compares it to a dream. You're enjoying something in a dream, and in the dream you're eating, but you're not actually eating. So you wake up from the dream and you're still hungry. In your dream you make a lot of money, you wake up, you're still poor. Or, you know, nowadays you can compare it to, to movies and computer games. Your character in the computer game is a great hero, and you're just a slow, ordinary person. Right? So you have this character, and they're a great hero, and they save all the girls, and they make a lot of money, and they're rich, and they're handsome, and blah, blah, blah. You get off your computer and look in the mirror. (laughs) You're still the same (laughs) fool. You go to your job, and no one says, oh... Great hero. <laughs> because it didn't happen to you. No, it didn't happen to you. Illusion. You're not left with it. That's why, you know, you get the the money and the house and the car and the degree and the beautiful partner and the smart children and all this stuff and the flat screen TV, whatever it is you want to get, you know, and all this stuff. And you just say, that's it? Because it didn't happen to you. But you can see that we're looking for these things. So the, the point Shiva Prabhupada makes is in the second canto. 
He says that the evidence that we're spiritual beings is that we're looking for these things, although they can't be had here. Why do, I, why do I look for happiness in friendship? And why do I look for happiness in romance? And why do I look for happiness in having children or students? Or why do I look for happiness in, in serving someone? Or why do I look for happiness in, in joyful experiences and sad, compassionate experiences and angry and disgusting and fearful and wonderful and comedy experiences? Why am I looking for happiness in these things when just in 10 minutes we've explained how you're not going to find it there? 10 minutes. You can explain to anybody how you're not going to find it there. But why am I looking for it? The answer is not either, well, I'll just be satisfied with not having it really. We can't be satisfied with not having it really. I mean, you can try. I was preaching, where was I? It was in South Africa. And one man came to the gathering and he was saying, well, you, you can't get these things really, so just be happy with whatever you can get. I said, then, you, then why are you here in our meeting? I said, if you're actually just satisfied with whatever you can get, why did you come here? Go and be satisfied. You can't be satisfied, therefore you come here to say, is there something more? Said, go, go, be satisfied with your temporary, limited, doesn't touch the real self, has, has misery after and misery before, happiness. It can't be. We want something else. We want happiness constantly. We want happiness increasing. We want happiness that's real. We want something genuine. I don't want to dream about eating food. I want to eat food. I don't want to just watch a movie about somebody who has a nice friend. I want to have a nice friend. No? I don't, I don't want to have my happiness just in a photograph that I look at and say, oh, I was happy then. I want to feel it now. And, and no philosophizing and, and is going to convince me otherwise. You're not going to be able to convince me that I want just momentary happiness that's limited in its extent, that doesn't touch the real me, it's not authentic, and I suffer before and after. Okay, be happy with that. If everybody was happy with that, none of the advertisements would work, you know. Get eternal pleasure in washing powder. That's what there isn't it? Yes? Yes, see. If they advertise really, washing powder will give you a tiny little bit of temporary happiness. I wouldn't even buy it. You wouldn't spend all the money they spend on it anyway. So this is evidence that we, that we are something beyond this world. And the impersonalists who say the material rasas are miserable, kill them. Kill your personality. Kill your desires. Then you'll be happy. The problem, the impersonalist says, is that you're desiring something impossible. We agree. The problem is, therefore, Solved by not having any desires. Well, that'll work. That's something like, you know, the temple room's dirty and so we just burn the building down. <laughs> it works. It, it does work. You don't have a dirty temple room anymore. That's the whole principle of divorce. You know? 
It's not working. Just kill it. Yes? I mean, it does work. It does solve your problem. But it unfortunately gives you a new problem. You know, if your house is dirty and you burn down your house, then you don't have a house. <laughs> you get a stain on your clothes and burn your clothes. <laughs> you don't have any clothes. So we're saying, enter into real rasa. And, 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 and real rasa is variegated. Real rasa is not just... Um, Rani's not just oming and smiling. <laughs> she, she's disgusted. She's experiencing disgust. You disgusting cheater. up rasa is all these varieties. Actually, rasa is made up of five elements. So your, your basic relationship and the secondary rasas and, and the changing emotions and exhibitions of your feeling. You're doing something. You're having lila. The internal feelings, the sattvic abhavas. There's five elements to rasa. There's the stai the Anubhav, the Chari or Sanchari Bhav, Anubhav. And there's some stimulus, and it's exciting. There's excitement, and there's adventure, and there's surprise. And there's, there's change. I mean, do we really want to be in a place where there's no change and there's no surprises? What's that called? Boring. So it's peaceful. You know, if you want to break from your life, go to the ocean, and you just watch the ocean. One wave, another wave, another wave, another wave, another wave, another wave. And just the same ocean going out in all directions. And you can't see deep into the water. You can't see very far, and it's all the same. So that's nice. For a while. You know, most vacation spots involve water or snow. So it's, it's nice. People pay a lot of money to go someplace where they can just look at the ocean. But if we said, okay, we'll tie you to your beach chair, <laughs> and you have to stay here, that would be hellish. So we're presenting actual rasa. We're presenting actual rasa. And Shimati Radharani is relishing these different flavors. And, and there's minutia variety of these flavors. So this is where we're trying to go. And we have to be careful how we present this because it can be very misunderstood. But yet we have to present it also. Because if you don't present this, then people will go for the material rasa. We want rasa. We're people. 
We want relationships, we want pleasure, we want variety, we want surprises, we want changes, we want swirling, churling emotions and different activities and different stories and different we want that. So if we don't present this to ourselves and to the public, then we will go for the illusion, not because we like it, but because we want something. So of course there's a little caveat here, and that is to get the reality, one has to give up the illusion. Now often we think, well, first let me experience the reality, and then I'll give up the illusion, but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like If you've cheated somebody, you can't say, first, let's have our relationship back, and then I'll stop cheating you. You have to first stop cheating and then get the relationship back. Yes? And you've got to prove yourself for some time. So if we, we're the ones who've run away from the reality to the illusion, and we have to prove ourselves to Krishna that we really want the reality. We're not going to go run off and jump into the illusion again. Now, of course, it's gradual and proportional. It's not that you have to completely give up the illusion 100% and then you completely experience the reality 100%. That's like what we were talking about before. Suffer, 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 suffer. Oh, heaven. Hopefully. Our idea is that one can begin to experience the reality immediately, to some extent, gradual and proportional. As we get attached to the reality, our attachment to the illusion will naturally decrease. And as we give up our attachment to the illusion, our attachment to the reality will increase. You can look at it either way. You can say, as we become absorbed in the reality, the illusion will naturally lose its interest. If you actually have a beautiful girlfriend and you actually have millions of dollars, why do you need to get pleasure from watching a movie of somebody who has it? It's not going to interest you anymore. Does that make sense to everybody? You know, if you really have tasty, healthy food, then you're naturally not interested in the the plastic chemical stuff. I mean, if you can choose between fresh watermelon juice and the colored, you know, the dye flavored with insect shells, seriously, really? Sugar water, you have that here in this country too, right? They sell jugs of it probably, they do in America. What would you pick? I mean, who would pick the plastic stuff over watermelon juice? Mostly people drink the plastic stuff because they don't want to pay for the watermelon juice, or they've never had it and they don't know what, it's, what they're missing. But once you eat vegetables out of your garden, you don't want to buy anything from the store anymore. So we have to become, two things, we have to become absorbed in the real and we have to wean ourselves away from the false. So these stories should inspire us that in the real there is great variety, it's not boring. There's a whole variety of of pleasure and and relationships. Unlimited types and and kinds of of pleasure and ecstasy in relationship to love. I hope I did okay with this.
was definitely in there. I spent hours like, Questions, comments? Yes. Pleasure is also sense pleasure, but it's pleasing Krishna's senses with my spiritual pleasure, with my spiritual senses. Rishikini, Rishikini, Sevanam, Bhakti, Rishikini. Still sense pleasure. The question is whether it's real senses or not. So Prabhupada gives the example, if you try to enjoy something soft with a big mitten on, how much pleasure will you get from it? Your senses are covered. So you put a big, heavy mitten on and you try to touch something soft. and, and, and You may still be able to tell this is soft and this is rough, but your amount of enjoyment is very, very limited. So our gross senses are covering our subtle senses. You know, our subtle eyes, our subtle ears can hear and see much more. The, the, the eyes and ears of this body are restrictions on our subtle senses, and the subtle senses are restrictions on our spiritual senses. So we're meant to have sense gratification. But the way, the, the, how does the hand get gratification by you know, putting food in the stomach kind of thing? So the way that we taste rasa is by doing exactly the opposite of what we are inclined to do to get pleasure. And that is, to get, we get rasa vicariously. We don't experience rasa by trying to experience rasa directly. And yes, you're correct. When we come to Krishna consciousness, we're still making the same basic mistake, generally, except we have a little different object. So instead of trying to enjoy material things directly, I'm trying to enjoy spiritual things directly. But real rasa is indirect. Like the way that the hand enjoys is not by rubbing food into the hand, but by putting food into the stomach. So, Shrimati Radharani is also like that. She's thinking, my happiness is Krishna's happiness. As explained, Radharani gets thousands or millions of times more happiness, actually, when Krishna's with other gopis. And the other gopis, they, everyone feels like that. They all get more happiness from others' happiness. 
Chaitanya Charitamita Madhulila chapter 8. Radharani feels millions of times more happiness when Krishna's with other gopis. And the other gopis feel millions of times more happiness. They're all feeling like that. <coughs> so we have, we have some idea of that in this world. You know, if you have a hundred pounds and you spend it on yourself and you get something really cool for yourself, you get some pleasure in that. But if you spend that hundred pounds on someone that you love and you really care about and you give them something that they really enjoy and they're really using, you can feel more happiness than that money spent on yourself. Has everybody had that experience? Yeah. And you can, if you take your time, if you spend an hour just doing whatever you want to do, just doing something for yourself, or you spend that hour in service to a greater cause. You can feel happier giving that same hour to something that you don't directly benefit from at all. Yes? Everybody has this experience. Why do people do philanthropic work? Why do people, you know, why does some doctor go pay his own plane fare to some poor part of the world, leave London and fly to some poor part of the world and do surgery without payment and pay his own ticket back. Why does he do that? Because he gets more pleasure doing that than working for himself, yes? We all have this experience. Why, why do we give to others? Now, it works if I give to someone where I feel that I'm a part of them. So that's why people want to give to their family, because they feel like they're part of their family. And if they give to their family, they will also benefit. Why we give to our community, we feel that we're part of the community. That's why people give to people of their same race or, or nationality or religion or somebody who's like you or your, or your same species or something else that's alive or something where you feel, I'm part of this. And if I give to the whole, then I will also enjoy and in fact, it's true. You get more enjoyment, even material enjoyment, even illusory, temporary, all the ways we put down material enjoyment. But even, even that, you get more of it, and it's more real, and it's, it lasts longer, and it's deeper, and it gets closer to the self when it's giving. So that's our original position. Our original position is that we are givers, we are servers. We get happiness by giving. We get happiness by facilitating Krishna being happy. Now, when we hear that, we tend to rebel against that and say, oh, I get happy by making somebody else happy? What about me? We have to remember that we're part of Krishna. Krishna isn't somebody separate from me. I'm part of him. And Krishna's only thinking of how to make the jivas happy. Krishna's not just some big enjoyer, you know. That's not what he's like at all. In fact, Krishna even wants to make rebellious, envious people happy. We complain about material pleasure, but the fact that there's any material pleasure at all is incredible. Does the government give any pleasure to prisoners? Not much. Not much. The government, they don't give prisoners nice clothes or nice food. Or They're going to give the prisoners flowers. Imagine any government spending money to put flowers in the prison cells. Are they going to give them a whole variety of food to eat? We're criminals. 
varieties of food we have on this planet? Do you need all those varieties of food? Do you need apples and oranges and pears and plums and peaches and do you need all those kinds of food to live? And then there's kinds of peaches and there's kinds of apples and there's kinds of plums. There's like 40 kinds of mangoes. Do you need 40 kinds of mangoes to live? Do you even need mangoes? Yeah? Do you understand? Do we need flowers? There are plants that pollinate without pretty, fragrant flowers. There's should could pollinate everything without beautiful, fragrant flowers. doesn't need to have them. Why has he put flowers in the prison house? Why is Krishna given any pleasure to sense gratification? Why did he do that? Why did Krishna make eating and, and sex and roller coaster rides pleasurable? He didn't have to. He could have just said, you criminals, suffer. I mean, there are hells where it's like that, but that's only for the worst of the worst of the worst, and it's temporary. So Krishna wants to give happiness even to the criminals. You say to Krishna, I want illusory happiness. He says, okay, have it. And have it in many varieties, that there's infinite universes, and in each universe there's so many planets. And in each planet, there's different kind of enjoyment. And then you can have 8,400,000 species of bodies. And in each body, you can have a different kind of enjoyment. And in each body, you can have varieties of enjoyment. So if Krishna gives that much to the criminals, he fulfills all of our desires. You want something? Okay, here's the means to get it, get it, and you... He fulfills the desires of her <laughs> Whatever you want. You want to, you know, pounce on people and whip their neck open and drink their blood. He'll give you the ability to do that. He doesn't say, oh, shh, I'm not going to let you do that. So what to speak of what is Krishna giving to those who are surrendered and love him? How can you imagine so it's not just that we get happy. And why does Krishna do that? Because he gets pleasure out of giving. We get pleasure out of giving because he gets pleasure out of giving. We're part of him. He enjoys giving. He likes to give. It gives him happiness. Now he would like to give the best thing to everybody. But they don't want it. And they misuse it, so what can he do? I, I can't give you the best thing if you refuse to take it. I mean, I just... But that's what he wants to. So why should I be afraid to give 100%? Krishna's giving 100%. Even if I don't appreciate him, even if I blaspheme him, even if I'm a, a, a serial killer, rapist, gang member, he's still giving 100%. So that's how we taste rasa. We taste rasa by giving to Krishna. And giving to Krishna so completely that we forget about ourselves. Just thinking how to make Krishna happy, how to make Krishna happy, how to make Krishna happy, how to make Krishna happy. Now you can't artificially pretend to do that on day one, therefore it's gradual and proportional, but that's the idea. And as you do that, you start to experience that if I just think about Krishna's happiness, I feel much happier 
than if I put myself at the center. And when you just think about Krishna's happiness, you realize that Krishna's supplying everything and that I get everything that I need and I get not only everything I need, I even get everything that I want. And if you're getting everything that you need and everything you want over a long period of time, then you can completely forget about your own what you don't have to think about it anymore. Kind of like working for a really good business or all you have to think about is selling the company product and they take care of you. You don't have to think about, am I going to get a salary? You don't have to think about, am I going to get a desk? Am I going to get a computer? Am I going to get vacations? Am I going to get a birthday party? All you can think about is the company and you're naturally taken care of. I hope that answers. I hope that was your question and I hope I answered your question. And it's already a quarter to nine. Should we stop now? Probably stop now. Okay. Thank you very much. All the boys to you. Okay.